0: Steve Dunn Podcast Episode 2. I'm joined today by Charles Thomas. Charles is the Charlotte Program Director for the Knight Foundation, where he works to fund initiatives promoting an engaged and informed community. Charles is a deep thinker about many things. Our conversation touches on community, what that means, what it means in respect to the work that the Knight Foundation does, but also what it is means to Charles as a person. Very pleased to have Charles be a part of the podcast today. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, so it's an interesting moment uh, as we record this. You are literally about to go into the office for the first time in a long time. How does that feel?
1: Uh, yeah. It, uh, it's, uh, it feels a little uh, weird, uncomfortable. Um, uh, I am, I'm a creature of habit. Uh, a year ago, or when we first started the pandemic, uh, working from home was weird and uncomfortable. I didn't like it. And now the idea of going back to work uh, feels the same way. Uh, the, I've gotten used to being able to grab my tea, grab my food, my snacks, You know, hug my child, you know, see my wife. Uh, all you know within you know the the course of a day. So um, those are going to be things that I'll miss going back to the office.
0: Well, here we are. It's the beginning of November 2021, and everything that you just said, I think, is something that's being experienced by people definitely all over the country, possibly all over the world. Companies are having to figure it out. Nonprofits are having to figure it out. Everybody whose organization has an office is trying to figure this
1: out right now what do you think about that what do you what do you think the future of work looks like for us whoa that's a small question uh I think it's going to vary uh based upon individuals and companies you know so for me um working at Knight Foundation which is headquartered in Miami and I'm here in Charlotte I've been a remote worker you know I'm the one person that works in in Charlotte from Knight Foundation I have eight other colleagues around the country so we've been using video conferencing and so forth um, for, you know, since, we, since, since 2016. And I think going forward, what I hope companies do and think about is think, think about flexibility and hybrid. Work from home, work from the office. I think we are in a whole new way. Some say that working from home is less productive. I think it's been more productive for me. Uh, I hold a lot more meetings, zooming in 30 minutes to a conversation that I used to take me an hour and 15 or 30 because of the travel time to get there and then the hour conversation and the travel time back. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so I don't I don't know what the future's gonna be for everybody else. I, I, what I probably see for our company is that it's gonna be a hybrid uh, where we can work from home, work remotely. And I know for me, because of how it's been prior, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about bringing my laptop, you know, to this interview and just afterwards, just opening up my laptop and working from your office for an hour, you know, like it's just, you know, it's just so easy to to take the office with you and to, to jump into a conversation wherever you are. It's really interesting to think about what changes are going to
0: be enduring, because I think that there's a lot of people who've had the same experience as you which is so it's true for me it's true for a lot of businesses that I know that before the pandemic if you had said hey everybody's going to work from home (laughs) for months you know the answer would have been "Nah, it's not going to work it's not going to be great we'll never figure it out we're not going to get as much done no people yeah people aren't going to be diligent they're going to slack off or whatever and I you know, I don't speak for everybody, and I certainly haven't talked to everybody. But the impression I get is that almost everybody prefers it, mm. and, and certainly from the employee standpoint, they mm-hmm. prefer. They don't want to go back to the office, and I think it's not unusual at all for companies to have experienced that productivity's fine, that people are getting mm. their work done just fine, mm. and some of them are doing better.
1: And it sounds like that's your experience for sure. Well, it's definitely been um, uh, my experience for the, the Charlotte Office of Knight Foundation. We can continue to hum, hum along. Um, where I thought it would be an issue are the folks that we partner with in the community. Uh, so we, we work in a neighborhood um, uh, called the Historic West End here in Charlotte um, that's going through rapid change, uh, gentrification, and it's a neighborhood that's full of elders, you know, and so the question becomes how do you connect and do the work, that face-to-face, that interaction, so, uh, so yeah, so those are components that I'm looking forward to getting back to and that I thought would be an issue, but we still find people adapted. I mean, this change, I mean, the thing that I think about with, with COVID is the resiliency of like humanity, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I know we've got a lot going on, a lot of like negative things that we want to talk about, but we went through a tremendous shift. Uh, and we're, you know, unfortunately a lot of people have died, but it it has like changed the way we operate in the world. And there's not many things that do that. And it digitized, you know, society at a whole nother level when we thought it was pretty digitized, but then it just went, poof, you know, schools, everything. And so um, I think it's fascinating it's going to be interesting to see what we carry forward. I think a, a lot of what we've we've learned a lot this past year and I think we're going to keep those things. And I think we're going to ultimately find that as, as always, we're adaptable and that um, I think it's created more flexibility, which I think is a good.
0: I don't think we've begun to understand yet the changes uh, that have begun. Yeah. I know that uh, entire industries have been revolutionized, like you say, overnight out of sheer necessity. But out of that necessity, innovation has occurred that is going to be enduring. Yeah, uh, it's definitely true in my business. We went from, I, before March 2020. I never did a mediation by video conference, and if you'd asked me, I would have told you I never would. Mm-hmm. I would have said it won't work. Uh, there's something essential about the in-person experience. You know, it's, it's just can't you can't build a connection with somebody over a video conference and stuff. I would have said all that stuff, and I now know that that was wrong. Uh, that you absolutely can mediate cases, and in fact, in a lot of ways, it's a lot better. Mm. I, I've had. Mediations with people in Japan and Mexico and all. Of, and, but for that matter, Raleigh, North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, the people who used to have to get on a plane or drive several hours to come see me don't
1: have to do that yeah. anymore. And yeah. has all
0: kinds of benefits.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's a, that's another component, the ability to reach um, other parts of the world or other parts of, you know, um, uh, the country. Uh, I, like, I think about um, one of the um, grants that we've made is to Charlotte Mecklenburg Library and what they saw during a pandemic were that people from like Europe were joining their online reading programs, right, you know, that they, you know, they, they went from being a Charlotte based, you know, reading enterprise to a global based reading enterprise and so um, I love that uh, same thing in the work we do in the historic West End in our neighborhood. we had residents instead of you know getting on a plane to learn about what they're doing in Detroit or Alabama around community development jump on a zoom call. Um, and you saw again, you saw elders adapt to it and it just became an easier way. I know I love it. I love the ability to bring experts to Charlotte without anyone having to leave, you know their room, their uh, you know, um, their living room. So, um, so th- again, there's all kinds of really cool uh, things that have occurred. A lot of tragedy has occurred, but there's also been some some blessings.
0: I'm interested in what all this means for our conceptions of community. Mm-hmm. And you work for Knight Foundation. You've talked about some of the work that you do there. Knight Foundation uh, seeks to foster informed, engaged, and equitable communities. And a couple of the things that we've talked about are uh, the digitization of community, the expansion of the geographic boundary of community. This is something that has undergone a major change in the last couple of years as a result of COVID, but has been ongoing throughout our professional lives mm-hmm. simply as a result of the advent of the internet, mm-hmm. right? So the, the whole notion of community has changed and a lot of the, the geographic boundaries that used to define communities have changed but at the same time you're doing work in a neighborhood the historic west end Mm -hmm. which is uh geographical in its nature and uh, uh the neighbors the elders the people who live and work there and do their thing um are physically proximate to each other and and that's important you have always been a deeply thoughtful person about community on a smaller scale, uh, mm-hmm. starting with yourself and uh, the way that you regard yourself and you seek to improve yourself. You're thoughtful about the community of your marriage and the community mm-hmm. of your household. Mm-hmm. You're involved in the community of your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm curious whether it relates to technology and COVID or not, kind of where you are today in terms of your relationship to community and and how you
1: as a yourself uh, intersect with that wow that's a, a great question it's, it's interesting as uh, I was driving over here I was reflecting on that so on one hand it feels like I am uh, I've got a lot going on in the community uh, like you said um, from family to marriage to my neighborhood to the work that I do in the historic West End and the work that we do in Charlotte um, and so I feel like um you know there's there's uh, a program that I've been a part of where it's about living life is like you know being on the court of life being on the game of life I feel fully in it, um you know in my in my neighborhood um we uh we're a community that is going through transition there's a possibility that I might be a part of you know the board structure for that, and I have big visions about how we could have better community right COVID to your point around the digitization, um unfortunately COVID is kind of kept us apart physically. Um, you know, Halloween was not the kind of Halloween I'd want to have, you know, this past you know, season. How do we celebrate? How do we connect to one another? So there's, I'm looking forward to being able to, you know, open up our neighborhood and have people gather and, and connect in a deeper way. Um, in the historic West end um, community is showing up in, in multiple ways. That's uh, again, we use the, the, the technology is, is leverage for how do we build connections and, and build community. And again, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, this year we've got new parks and public spaces that are coming online that are opening up this Saturday. Um, a new space is gonna open up in the historic West End where it was formerly a theater um, a, uh, called the Ritz, um, all black theater um, in the neighborhood uh, that you know, went away and became an empty lot. And now through like a grant from Lowe's Corporation, they're turning it into a place for people to celebrate. And you're seeing multiple places open up in the district where it's gonna give people chances to, to connect and, and I would, you know connect, get to know each other, and play together. Um, one really cool program that just happened is um, a gentleman um, uh, called Winston Robinson who threw three major events in the West End called A Vibe Called Fresh. Um, it's where he's um, really celebrating black music and culture uh, and, as, and a part of it also talking about wealth building, home ownership, inviting folks to come to the neighborhood, live in the neighborhood, buy in the neighborhood. Um, and they put down like a skateboard rink uh, on an empty parking lot. Um, and they had people, not skateboard, skating rink on an empty parking lot. And so pumped up the music, had people um, hula hooping, skating, dancing, celebrating. Uh, so we're at a really interesting time as it relates to the historic West End. It's, it's a time of, of slow reopening and people, you know, coming out of their homes and connecting with each other. And not to say that people stopped. I think people were still um, connecting with their neighbors. But, you know, I still have neighbors who are elders that I've not seen and that live across the street from me, like literally catacorn of the street. I've not been close to in, you know, 18 months, um, you know, coming up on two years. And so... Uh, So we're seeing a reopening that's happening. And then I think for the greater city of Charlotte, to me, we, you know, as we get further, as you go from your neighbors to like neighborhood to city, uh, the ability to get proximate gets a little harder and the ability to be connected gets a little harder. So I think we have an opportunity in the city of Charlotte and then eventually in the whole country of, you know, recognizing that folks that live on different parts of our town or our city or community are still our neighbors in uh, that what's going on on another side of the town has an impact on what's you know happening less you know and so uh, I think about it in terms of the challenges we face as a community around economic mobility making sure that everybody's benefiting from this tremendous growth that Charlotte is having and that's a leverage opportunity um, making sure that we're thinking about how do we make our city more inclusive and more equitable during this time uh, when when I listen to the national politics, we're really being divided, you know, along the lines of, you know, race and culture and, you know, um, you know, people's beliefs and really begin to forget as we get further out into the nation, as we get further out into the world, it's like we we start losing our ability to see each other as humans and as neighbors with one another. So I do deep think deeply about community and you know, it starts at home and it's all about how do we make, you know, every experience and experience where we all feel um, we're related to one another.
0: What makes a good one? And here's what I'm getting at. the A lot of what you've just talked about in community, uh, some of the themes that came up again and again were connectedness, and you uh, set that up against the concept of divisiveness, right? And I wonder if as you're uh, – I think a lot of times, and myself included, we think about like a community. What what is a good community? We have kind of a a rough idea in mind. You know, we kind of know what we mean by that, but I wonder when you start digging into the details, like what is what are you really looking for? Because this is very much part and parcel of what you're doing in your work, right? You're providing funding for initiatives that are attempting to improve community and mm-hmm. to foster uh informed and engaged communities and I'm, I'm curious what that looks like and so is it connectedness is it celebration is it about places is it about sort of the the, the well-being of the members of a community i wonder what your thoughts are on that
1: yeah i mean it's it's all of those things you just said um i think the one thing that you may have uh, left out is the perception of of safety is, is key, right? You got to feel like you're safe. Um, feel like another word that um, um, we haven't talked about is feel like you belong, um, that you are welcomed, uh, and that it's a, a community that you can be a part of and that sees you as much as you, as you see others. Uh, a community where your voice is heard and that you can make a difference. Um, and so uh, so those are the elements that, that I love about the neighborhood that I live in. And I think it's critical is like in, in my neighborhood, in my community, uh, it just one, you know, uh, you know, people walking on the street, smiling, um, kids playing, um, these things where it feels like, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, like easy and, and, and that, um, that it's, it offers an opportunity for us to, you know, get to know each other in a deep way. And even within community, like uh, something I ran into during COVID is I ran into neighbors that had, we had different perspectives on what was happening in our society. But and I thought about that and I was like, man, does that change how I interact with that person? You know? And uh, What do you mean by that? Oh, so, you know, like right now, you know, like I said, there are things that divide us as it relates to like COVID. So should we have, should we wear mask? Should we be vaccinated? Should we... You know, should kids be in school or not in school? So we we had a a side conversation about, you know, the role of government. And that was the first time that we talked about politics, because otherwise we're talking about. You're talking about a neighbor. A neighbor. So I'm talking about a neighbor. It's the first time we're, we're engaging as a political discussion. And it was like, whoa. But this is the same neighbor that, you know, we went in, you know, we were joined together to on a lawsuit to fight a you know a corporation a developer that was coming into our neighborhood so it's it's about finding those shared values and i think being proximate also allows us to just like you can also begin to sometimes joke about some of those things it's it's a little hard yeah it's a little hard but you know i mean when they're closer to you and you've built like hey we we helped to put on the fall festival together so you know that's right you watched my kids I, i helped you cut your yard like These are the things that I think we want in a community. I can come borrow borrow a cup of sugar. I can sit on your porch and talk to you and have a a cup of tea. Those are the things to me that makes the fabric of a neighborhood real and then allows us to have a real good conversation about things we may or may not disagree with.
0: I think we got to find a way to bring this concept of neighborliness to the digital environment. And the reason I say that is because I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's real easy to see when you interact with somebody all the time as a neighbor that we're not really so different, right? Mm-hmm. That we we have a lot in common even though we may disagree about national politics, okay? Right. I think it's a lot harder to see that when you're interacting with somebody digitally absolutely uh, and this i think is getting to sort of what is community right like what is what we're talking about is the the benefits of physical proximity as it relates to community Mm -hmm. um i'm i'm intrigued though about the conversation that you had with your neighbor and i wonder if you perceive that there's been something lost just in recent history in our ability and i'll just speak for myself i'll just say I've been avoiding conversations like that. <laughs> I've been trying to not engage in conversations about national politics with people, with almost, with most people. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I just don't want to, I, I just don't want that division to uh, to exist. Mm-hmm. I, and and I've, I've just been kind of in denial. I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you about it and I'm realizing that i have probably making a mistake in that regard because probably... If I were uh, more uh, forthcoming, I would probably find, or at least I would hope I would find, that my neighbors and my colleagues would be um, in good faith and good spirit and uh, generous and kind, as I believe most people are. Uh, But there is something about uh, politics lately that that has changed. And I I view it as... uh, Distinctly part of the downside of the digitization of our community.
1: Yeah, there's, um, you know, there's there's interesting upsides to it where it allows people to organize and come together, but it's tending to bring people together who are of like mind, uh, and so it's creating that tribalism that will divide us. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it'd be it would be a different conversation with my neighbor if I saw my neighbor post something on Facebook. And I made a comment in response, right? The, the you know part of it is you know I was listening to some stories about you know people feeling um, you know anonymity, though no one knows who they are. They're able to reveal a side of themselves that they would not reveal if they were in front of someone, and so we lose our um, what is it? Our um, you know how we um, treat each other, the the niceties that we have when we're with each other face to face, but when it goes online, you just like there's the ability to kind of rage about how you feel and to dehumanize people. And um, I could easily see how, if I were interacting with my neighbors online, and this is the downside to the digitization um, from from COVID, is then you just really get to the things that you disagree w- agree with, and that's all you can see. Because you literally cannot see them as a physical human that has traits, that have traits that look and seem like yours. There may be some differences. And then the interactions and the behaviors, which would be similar to you, you don't see. It's just like, they, they believe this, oh my God, and now they fall into a category, and then it becomes about, you know, uh, disagreeing, fighting. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to minimize the, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic about our abilities to be neighbors, but I'm also... You know, concerned about our abilities to to connect with one another and to see each other as human, and our ability, you know, you can go for it and have those conversations. But I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I've not had conversations within my family that are just, you know, diametrically opposed discussions. And I'm like, holy cow, uh, you know, and it's that has come up as well and during this time, uh, and. And so it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough time to, to say how you really feel on a certain level, but at the same time, um, it's, it's, it's tough, but there's still an opportunity, I think, I feel. I still have this optimistic view that if we break bread together, if, we, you know, if, if our play, kids play together, if we see each other in the yard over and over again, um, there's a warmth that develops and a desire to get to know each other that begins to override the desire to find that one thing that you disagree. That's another thing like it's kind of like we're it's almost like the differences between, you know, races, you know, the, the we're, we're like ninety nine point nine nine percent all the same. And there's just one small piece um, that shows up in 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 a color, you know. Um, and otherwise, we're the same. And then we focus on that one little tiny difference. And we turn that into the biggest story, you know, of the century, of of, of the millennia, you know, and versus how do we take all these things that were similar uh, and bring them together and make ourselves stronger and better. So, you know, that's the work. That's what we do every yeah, day. That's right.
0: I, well, yeah, exactly. I was about to say, like, well, I guess we could just throw up our hands and just say, oh, well, you know, I yeah. guess, uh, you know, this, this the human project hasn't worked out. But you—it has right. though. Exactly We're here to this point. Right? That's right. And you—you yeah. you are relentlessly optimistic. And you have said that you have your optimism about our collective ability to solve the problems that we face, mm-hmm. because the problems don't make sense, right? And I think this is related to what you just said about race. Like, does it? It doesn't make sense that humans are all the same. Ra- race is biologically essentially indistinguishable right like mm-hmm. not recognizable uh once you <laughs> remove our skin from our bodies mm-hmm. right and uh but it it uh it forms such a tremendous um, part of our cultural structure particularly yeah. in this country mm-hmm. right um it doesn't make sense on some level and uh, it's interesting because I think it is tempting when faced with a situation like that to say the world is chaos, none of this adds up. Therefore, I you know I give up. I'm just going to withdraw into myself. I'm just going to take care of myself and my own. Uh, you have the opposite view. Your view is these things don't make sense. Therefore, we can solve them. You know yeah, this, this is yeah. what we can do. But at the same time, you recognize that it ain't gonna happen overnight, right? Because you have said that as a younger man, you ran a sprint and then eventually you realized that you were running a marathon and then still later, you realized that you're running a relay. Yeah, And that what you are doing is advancing the cause the best that you can in the time that you exist, recognizing that a lot of the problems that you're trying to deal with existed before you. And a lot of the problems are going to exist after you, but you do the work of you when you're here. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you think the future looks like. I'm, I'm curious about historic West End. Mm-hmm. If we say that um, the trend is in the right direction and success is in the offing, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the future brings. What does that look like?
1: Sure, so um, success uh, in the work that Knight Foundation is doing uh, in Charlotte, in the historic West End, uh, in a neighborhood that has been historically African-American that's going through rapid change, uh, success looks like um, a community where you have a a mix of um, income levels. Um, So it's not a community of, of high affluence or low income, but it's a mix of income levels, a mix of housing at different price points, it's best for um, economic opportunity and mobility is that you have you know it's it's time and time again i think um the american enterprise institute um, recently did a study about attachment to place and so the more amenities that you have the more things that you can kind of access and like walk to make you we we start we ask this question of like what makes a neighbor a community feel like a community without certain amenities without access to jobs in particular you know, um, I was um, reading a book um, by um, uh, Dr. Ibram Kendi. Uh, and the lack of access to jobs is an issue that, you know, if you don't have a place to, to work, then what are you going to do for money? Um, then it leads to you doing things that are l- illegal. Um, and then the lack of understanding of that choice, or the not the choice, but the lack of the kind of the pr- provision of economic opportunity, and then the choices that you make as a result of that, which leads to you know uh, interactions with the justice system which is not about necessarily helping you to get a job (laughs) and actually if you interact with the justice system it actually keeps you from getting a job so you go further and further further down the road so then it does become a justice issue um and and so i think it's important to think about um you know racial justice is something that i'm beginning to kind of build and add into my my sense of understanding um, uh, in terms of building a just society, a fair society, um, as well as an equitable society are all key elements to, to what I think is critical for the, the West and the Thrive, that we do need to have those components of, you know, what is just for a community, what is equitable for a community in the context of all of Charlotte, right? What, what would provide a community the resources and the, the people in that community, the resources that they need to advance economically, and so, and to be connected to our society, to be, you know, to want to be informed and engaged and a part of our democracy. And but the challenge is without access to opportunity. Part of the reason why I love the city of Charlotte, why I chose to come back to Charlotte, and why, I, and I totally am a booster for people coming to Charlotte, is because there's so much opportunity. You know, your ability to come here and connect to um, people and resources, the distance in doing that is so much shorter than being in New York City or being in San Francisco, or being in California. And that's why people are coming here. It's inexpensive, and you can kind of build from here. Um, but it's not like that for everyone. And if we, if we just build our city for those to come, you know, for newcomers, uh, then what we're gonna find is we're gonna gentrify our whole city. Um, we're going to find that people, however long they've been here, are going to all of a sudden feel like, why is that changing? Why is my neighborhood in Plaza Midwood changing? Like, what is going on? It's like, it's because we're growing. This is what happens when you are built on just growth. And there's nothing wrong with growth. But how do we bring people along, understanding what really builds community? And how do we keep people in place? So the challenge we face in, in neighborhoods like the West End, um, a lot of them, uh, uh, communities of color that have, uh, have been low income, it's when the income levels rise, you know, you get amenities, but then people can't afford to be there. And so when will we start thinking, like you said, I like solving problems. I think it's solvable. When will we start thinking creatively about helping people stay in place, helping people being informed about how to, how to create wealth um, from exiting a neighborhood like that, or how to create wealth by moving into that neighborhood. So how, not, how about we have, you know, um, a, a marketing that we invite um, com- people of color, um, black people to come live back in black neighborhoods as those neighborhoods are like um, appreciating in value, right? Um, and what do we do? How about we just pay the taxes of the elders? Let's just like, just say, hey, you know, you've done your time. Thank you for being in this neighborhood. You want to stay in the neighborhood. We're going to make it easy for you, you know, or we're going to make it easy for you when you sell your property. And how about you sell your property to someone that looks like you? You know, like, why not just get creative to create? How about we have incentives for, Having mixed-income neighborhoods, like there's a great book called *The Color of Law*, where he in the back of the book, you don't even have to read the whole book. Just read the last like couple of chapters if you want to know like how to solve it. He's like, what if we change the tax system so that if you um, live in a segregated community, like a gated community, you no longer can you know benefit from owning a house and deducting your interest. But if you live in a mixed-income neighborhood, you get to deduct all this. Like there's all kinds of incentives that we could use to bring, to build community, to bring people together. Because as we talk about, you know, what has caused, you know, the the inequity and the injustice is, you know, unfortunately we get caught up in in self-interest and being driven by just transactional and a transactional economy where we're just making money. And so people no longer are humans. They're just a part of the transaction. So it's easy to put them in bondage and to enslave them and to think of them less than and to make money off of them right? And so and that has been the issue we've been trying to undo for for years. But once we get to an awareness that, hey, this is how we can create community, this is how we create family, even typically, I think if we just looked at how we treat each other in our families, maybe not all fam- families, but um, ideally how we treat each other in family, and then incentivize relationships, incentivize it economically, and then I think that will also help us with the planet, because then we'll begin to see that we're in community with nature. That nature is not here to serve man; that we are here to be a part of nature. Maybe you can say we're stewards. Maybe since you know, maybe we have a, a, a some advantages as as uh, human animals on this planet. Um, but how do we? I like stewards because how do we keep it going for the next generation? We are incentivized to suck things dry, um, and until we change that incentive structure, which is tied into our economics, um, we're gonna continue to do that. And that's, again, the work, that's the opportunity. So yes, I think it's solvable. Um, And I think through, you know, helping people to connect to each other and relate to each other, um, you know, it seems like I went from like, you know, what's in family to, you know, issues globally. But I think it's basically about helping humans to see each other as humans and designing places and spaces and. An economy for humans for people um, for the best interest of people and so um, so again that's the work that's the opportunity
0: yeah it's and, intriguing to me that some of the stuff you're talking about uh, you described as uh, innovative or creative or out-of-the-box but has some precedent for it right uh, I mean there yeah. are I'll never forget uh, hanging out in a beautiful apartment or condo on the upper west side of Manhattan when I was in college with this guy who was paying $250 a month in rent on it and wow. had been because it's a rent controlled apartment mm. in his family I don't I don't know how, all the ins and outs of it but I think it had been his parents and possibly mm. his grandparents and this guy was there been there for decades 250 bucks a month like three story brownstone wow. like large house in the upper west side of Manhattan and Crazy. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in a way, it was, it was, I, as you were going through, like, well, you know, maybe we'll pay taxes for people who have lived in a place for a long time. I can could, I could almost hear some members of our audience saying, like, oh, my God, you know, like socialism or, you know, like, oh, your handouts or something like that. Yeah. And what people socialism, forget handouts, is yeah, – Socialism, well,
1: handouts, handups. I love it. Call it whatever you want. forget <laughs> is that,
0: like, there's socialism and handouts going on. All the time All in this the country, time. it's like throughout the history of this country, but it's always been for the benefit pretty of the much. wealthy, yeah. White people and wealthy people, and yeah. like, like The power structure yeah. are the like, socialism for them is fine,
1: exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's an issue when it's something that just feels like it's taking from you, but it's so it exists already. I mean, I think I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, that, again, that's why I don't think we're that far away from some of these, um. These, these these opportunities to make more equitable and just communities and a justice. Really, are are you optimistic? I am optimistic. You're still. I'm always optimistic. Yeah, um, it, I have. Has bad it, Has days. it ever wavered? Oh I, yeah, t- totally. Yeah, I have days. I've, I've
0: lost. I've lost. I'm. I'm not saying that I've, I'm lost. Like I haven't totally given up, mm-hmm. but I'm.
1: I'm as. I'm, it, my, my optimism is on the brink as yeah. much as
0: it ever has been
1: yeah it's 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 i mean i'm i can understand that i mean we've got real major challenges that if we don't do something about them like it like climate change like if we don't do what needs to be done to take care of you know our environment, then it gets so baked in that we can't undo it and our kids are just going to live miserable lives and that's going to cause people to need resources and war and all these different things. I mean, so that is very like, whew. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. I I hear you say that and I'm like, I I
0: agree, but I'm not even worried about that because I feel like there's more pressing (laughs) Concerns that are coming up sooner <laughs> than that and I, I don't know man i wonder if i i what i struggle with is am i falling victim to the perverse incentives of the digitization of our society and the erosion of our community in my own crisis of optimism right mm-hmm. i mean do you do i have uh an obligation as a citizen and as a man to be firm in my optimism, uh, because the alternative is paralysis and capitulation.
1: Yeah, then it becomes self-fulfilling, right? Right. I mean, you, like, and I was thinking about that too, this, the lack of optimism or the lack of a feeling, because like, there are some things that are weighing on me, and I think climate change is one of those things, I'm like, man, I do nothing about that. <laughs> like, What power do I have to make a, a difference there? So when, when we start thinking ourselves as powerless, it's like, okay, well, you you know, there's little things that I could do to feel like I'm making a contribution. And I think that's really important to say that the, what is my, oh my gosh, I had a coach last year who, um, was so helpful about understanding uh, our spheres of influence, you know? So I just, you know, we just talked about, you know, went from family to global to, you know, you got to go back to what it is that you can really make a difference in. You know, if I can help my neighborhood to be a more joyous community and place where people want to spend time, then awesome. Does Do you start with yourself? It absolutely starts with yourself. To your point, like crisis and optimism. So, like, what's that about? Like, so where, again, go back within and think about what you can. And this is actually really good for me to hear as I, you know, I'm, I'm really sensitive to like seasonal changes and so the fall just makes me go uh you know I don't you know, I, I can't I, stand I, it when I, it gets dark yeah, it early gets dark and the, yeah. I don't want to like do anything and I can't do anything and like right now I'm, I'm learning how to like swim <laughs> yeah and I'm like frustrated and I'm, lo- I'm not like I'm not I mean I, I guess I'm overall long-term optimistic but-, yeah, but is optimism a value like is it right? To be optimistic, or I don't think I'd say right or wrong. I'd be very careful about right. And wrong. Okay, optimism yeah. is just a way to it's it's just a, a feeling of possibility, a, a posture and atti- an attitude toward the challenges it's ahead. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. And as you know, and I think it's it's an important. It's a in my mind, attitudes are important tools for um, living and for achieving and creating the world that you desire. Um, and so there's probably a lot of really great quotes about optimism and hope, and I, I can't think of any, but <laughs> in order to like, to get things done, you just have to have and, and you do, you are optimistic cause you, or you wouldn't get up every morning. There's a reason you get up every morning out of bed. You think you can do something and make a difference and that's what you do. So then it becomes when you, when I feel, so maybe use an I statement instead of you, like if I'm feeling like I'm not or something's not happening, then it's kind of like back up a little bit and be in gratitude around what we are doing, what is being accomplished. And I think, and so this this gratitude, my favorite word for gratitude is appreciation. And if you think of the word appreciation, as you can think of gratitude or you can think about like wealth or assets appreciating. And the more like energy you put and the more appreciation you put around something, your children, your family, the more they grow, the value of them grows. And so then you start creating value for yourself. and you begin to say, what is, and so this does get back to your value. So maybe optimism is like, what is valuable and what is value for me? And to me that, that gives um, that, I don't know, that creates like something that you can grow. Um, so whenever the crisis happened happens, come back, you know, take a nap, go to sleep, you know, go through that dark time. But then begin to think about what appreciate those things in your life, or have grat- gratitude. And I think it helps to turn a little bit of the light on, even in the dark, because it's not always bright and sunny. And so, and it shouldn't be. Um, and our muscles around gratitude, appreciation, and you know, our you know, optimism are tested when it's dark. That's the whole reason. Charles, I appreciate you.
0: I think that. I know that my appreciation of you has only appreciated <laughs> in the time that I have known you and I'm sure it will continue to appreciate. I One thing I very much appreciate is you're taking the time to be with me today
1: and have this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you, man.